because we, we mentioned the uh, Big Sheds fruit shop years. I got contacted uh, by ABC Regional in Adelaide to come on and have a chat in their afternoon program. Uh, and the, the thing, the concept that, that's, that kicked it off was it, it tastes better than it sounds. Radio Brews News is proudly presented by Cryer Malt. With over 25 years in the field, Cryer Malt are dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer. They are your premium brewing partner and they are proud sponsors of this. And this is Brews News Week, which is our regular wrap-up of all that has made news in beer this week. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum, and joining me to take a good hard look at the news, the views, and the issues are the founder and editor of Australian Brews News, Matt Kierkegaard, and ace reporter and senior journalist, Claire Burnett. G'day, guys. Good morning, Peter. Good morning, Pete. How do we find you up there in the uh, the Sunshine State oh, it's this week? It's a bit week? chilly. I'm getting a bit chilly. There's a little Arctic breeze coming through up here. Uh, and uh, for all it's our like Melbourne listeners, should we, should we tip Claire off about uh, what cold weather really is? Well, she does come from the north of England, so I but think I'm, she knows. Yeah, I've I think she's about forgotten. It. Yeah, yeah I she's have. long forgotten that. <laughs> yes, exactly. There's, uh, yeah, there's only so many chills that a pot of Yorkshire tea can um, uh, can melt. Exactly, exactly. Um, how are you, Pete? Not doing too yeah, good. bad? Okay. Yeah. You like that? Yeah. All Drunk good. anything all good, good recently? Oh, well, if we're going to do we're going to oh, start go off I'm, with... Yeah, go on. I'm Prof's, intrigued. Prof's unsponsored beer of the week. <laughs> yeah. um, Juddie, a shout out to Juddie, a uh, good friend of the program, Matt, um, from uh, the head brewer at CB, uh, who tipped me off that uh, James Breeny from Breeny Brothers Brewery has mm-hmm. just... Uh, they've done their second beer, which is a, a recreation of, a I think, a 1921 recipe that they've uncovered. Uh, from the family archives, which is a, a superior stout. I thought, oh, perfect weather. And he said, look, you know, I, I just mentioned that you, he, Jadip and I live reasonably close by. He said, would you mind if, you know, James pops some round? And this was on a Sunday and I'm thinking, oh, yeah, no worries. I'll, you know, hmm. happy to share my details. And, uh, and, and he, he dropped off uh, a six pack of the, of the stout, which I tried. Um, and I've got to say, it is an absolute belter. It is, and, and we've talked about this, Matt, before where, you know, you, you can't bring back a beer from the 1800s or whatever because the water was different, the air is different, the yeast, and all those. The, the, the malts know, the, are different. The malts, yeah. everything. Yeah. The malting them are yeah. different, yeah. But it made me realise that there is maybe we're moving towards a new, like stout used to be Guinness. That, that used to be if you, or if you're mm-hmm. in Melbourne, I guess, you know, yeah. uh, Abbott's Invalid Stout. And it had that kind of sameness in, in terms of its taste profile and all that sort of thing. And then I think craft, independent, postmodern, whatever, um, our, our stouts now are, are appealing to different palates because we've, we've discovered Russian imperial stouts, we've discovered best export stouts and oatmeal stouts and all those sorts of things. This, I think, is just, it's a, you can kind of taste the history. I know, I know that sounds really wanky. <laughs> I just thought, you know where you have an expectation and then you have a realisation and you kind of go, oh, hang on, that's actually, that's like, it's absolutely nailed it. And, and well done to uh, Michael Stanzel out at uh, Burnley. He, yeah. they're, they're still brewing the, the beers for the Bruni Brothers at the moment out there. Mm-hmm. Um, he's absolutely nailed the brief. Um, it was, it, as I say, it was just like, praise, like sipping, a, sipping a bit of history. Oh, how about you, Claire? Have you had any beers this week? I'm, I'm interested. You, um, I had a really interesting uh, one from Bright called an Aviation Cocktail. The penicillin sour. sour? Was th- it? Yeah, oh. yeah. Um, I think it was that. It was bright purple when it came out. 
but it did kind of leave a strange aftertaste. Like I strictly not, avoid not fruit pastel purple. <laughs> no, Ooh, it was we'll not. Oh, we'll get to that. Um, no, but it left a strange aftertaste. Like I hate Powerade and I hate all those energy drinks. I think they leave a horrible sugary aftertaste on your tongue. And this one just left a little, just a little residue that I wasn't quite keen on. Um, but it was nice to start with, and then just the aftermath was a bit questionable. <laughs> um, but no, that was it, really. I've been trying to be quite good recently. Yeah, so I've, I've had an alcohol-free week this week, but last okay. night <laughs> I had um, a Zoom catch-up, and then Claire's going, oh, that's right. Oh, shit. I deliberately didn't uh, you know, <laughs> didn't expect you to, uh, to to join. And then there was the Space Beer um, oh, did uh, you Facebook. Try it? I would. I, I jumped in just as they started uh, referencing me and, uh. Uh, and where space actually begins. Um, <laughs> but uh, while I was there yesterday afternoon, um, a package from the Grifter turned up. Um, they, you know, and we don't solicit beers from people that are on the the, the podcast um, on beers conversation. But the uh, boys sent me up a carton just so I could sort of see. Um, and so I had their lager, their it sounds like I've I had certainly had uh, I had three beers um, last night uh, the lager the pale ale and the IPA and just you know hoping to discover what their secret source was as if you've listened to the podcast you'll understand that reference um, just very very nice beers nothing you know nothing to rave about nothing you know it, it's Does the job well but again even saying that because we are in this hype filled world where to just to say they are really good beers mm. is almost to damn, damn with yeah, great praise. unless you're saying, oh, this is fantastic and crazy. and No fault. Yeah. They were beers that if I was down at my local pub just wanting to have a beer while I was catching up with somebody, they would be at the top of my list to order um, if I wanted the conversation and not the beer to be the focus. And uh, just really nice. I can see why the guy's doing well. Excellent. Like to hear it. On that good note. to hear if yeah. people are wondering if why we're filling, it's because there's not a lot of news this week. Oh, no, yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I had a four-day weekend, so uh, <laughs> that's the end of that. Shall we get in and um, cover both of our stories? So <laughs> yes. uh, jump Shall below we? the fold and give everybody a little bit extra of the uh, the deep dive for this week. All right. Awesome. Well, let's cross now live to the Australian Brews News Media Centre for a wrap of stories making news this week in beer. And Claire... We're back with ABAC. <laughs> we are indeed. Uh, so we had a lovely spate of ABAC decisions uh, these past couple of weeks. Um, there's a lovely. few very. I'm just, I'm just I mean, they're doing they're doing good work. They're doing they they're doing, doing a lot work. of work to, to they're start doing important with. Important work. <laughs> uh, so there's a few um, quite fascinating um, adjudications from ABAC this week. So there's a couple of your standards. So uh, VB Solar Exchange, that popped up. Um, again, I think that might be the, at least the second, if not the third time that's popped up. And then a few others just covering the usual things about high-risk activity, um, all that sorts of thing. But there was an interesting one featuring Capital Brewing Co. Um, about its hang-loose juice, which I believe had just made core range, um, New England IPA. And it was about obviously being called a juice, potentially appealing to minors, all that kind of thing. Um, but they ABAC actually fully called out Capital and said, you know, well done for cooperating and like dealing with this in a pretty responsible way. Capital actually had some really interesting points about how much it would cost uh, if they had to sack off their, uh, their packaging um, that they've got now. I think they had about $34,000 worth. So they were like... Um, they said to ABAC, really conciliatory, can we use this run and then we'll change it? Actually, ABAC decided that 
while the it technically wasn't a breach, the packaging wasn't a breach, um, they did commend um, and agree with Capital that that would be the best way forward to change that, to just make things like beer, you know, the indicator saying it's a beer, um, make that a bit more prominent, things like that. So that was an interesting one. Also really good, um, just a nice conciliatory one. The next one, not so much. Um, so Currumbin Valley Brewing, uh, they've been up um, in front of a back a number of times now and they made some really interesting points um in theirs but i think we'll drop that one below the poll shall we and the um suntory one yes the minus one yeah six yeah as always yeah. look read the summaries um that claire has prepared because they are very important for you know uh, brewing marketing and go back and read the case particularly a couple of the ones this week right as you'll hear in below the fold raise some really interesting questions um, about where brewery responsibility ends and media starts yeah anyway yeah. We'll, and what's considered we'll, we'll, drafting we'll, we'll pass that off to uh, below the fold we'll do that yep and just quickly just to the boys at uh, capital 1300 855 <laughs> changing all your labels and your packaging might not be as expensive as you think call the guys at rellings labels stickers and packaging because they're not uh, uh they're able to supply not just labels for your cans or your bottles or, or reprints but they can also supply printed or blank cartons the can trays tap decals barcodes shrink sleeves ABAC messages whatever you want so 1300 852 235 now pete i believe you got a congr- congratulatory text last week for your rallings um. three words three <laughs> words from brad was gold standard ad <laughs> well i got the full phone call so that's how oh, impressed they were well done. but if if you Very are cool. a brewer or you you want to reach brewers um <laughs> you can reach out to us and advertise here you know place your ad here because apart from congratulating pete on his ad and i know that this is just egregious self-promotion for us um a house ad um but <laughs> He walked into a brewery recently and the brewer actually got flustered because it was, you know, I don't think the term rock star was used, but, you know, I was a bit starstruck because, you know. The Brad from Rallings. The the, the guys from uh, Rallings were in my brewery and I hear hear them referenced all the time. So if you want to become a star of the brewing industry. That's it. Place your ad here and we can put you up in the pantheon of legends that we've created through it. Your active advertising. You are good, aren't you? You should be good at marketing for a career. Yeah, yeah, well, we're yeah. going to get to we marketing. Laugh, we make fun of it, but, but it, does, it does work. So uh, obviously with COVID, there's a lot of people who are doing it hard and we do send our thoughts and our love um, and where we can our cash to them. Um, but it swings and roundabouts. Uh, obviously, with every crisis, some do it tough and others... Um, Benefit, uh, the beer market bolsters Aurora growth. I'm sure everyone in the industry will be aware of Aurora. They provide pretty much the majority of packaging um, or a big chunk of packaging to um, the craft beer industry and to the mainstream brewers. They actually have done reasonably well considering their business got really badly hit by the tariffs that China has been placing on Australian wine. So obviously demand for glass uh, has deteriorated quite a bit, and and but it's still um, experienced some growth, and that's because the beer market in Australasia, so um, obviously Australia, New Zealand, doing really well, um, but it's not doing well in North America, interestingly. So it's just um, it was just fascinating to see the contrast between. Um, the sort of landscape for packaging in Australasia compared to North America. 
making a lot of money. Like I, I always forget how pack, how lucrative packaging actually is. So uh, sales grew 6.1% to um, just over $834 million for the year. Uh, and EBITDA increased 3.3% to one, $197, oh, well, nearly $198 million. So that's like a, I can, just astronomical. I can't even picture that in my head, um, how many cans that would be. Um, but uh, all good things. I but Rallings could, Rallings could, could wrap help. them all. Rallings could do it. <laughs> Um, so yeah, um, doing really well and we'll carry on uh, following Aurora. Uh, I know there's been some concerns uh, historically about can shortages and there have been in North America particularly. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that. Excellent. Uh, now, a uh, sneaky story that's just popped in. Sober and Spinifex launch crowdfunding campaigns. Mm-hmm. I think, does crowdfunding now um, have to become one of our... Um, Bruce News Buzzword Bingo. Oh, I'm definitely. Pretty sure it has been for a while. Yeah, it should have been oh, anyway it? if it's not. <laughs> I'll double check with James Davidson. Yes, I'm please sure do. Let us know. <laughs> Amazing. Um, yes, yes, indeed. Uh, so we haven't covered this yet. Um, we've made an edit- editorial decision really to, um, these are expressions of interest phases, so they haven't actually opened it up um, and they haven't uh, released their invest investment offer documents yet. So we kind of wanted to have a look at them before we started writing about them. There's a lot more information in them to give a better sort of overview of what that investment picture would look like. Um, but they have launched their in, uh, expressions of interest fade. So that's Sober Beverages, no alcohol brand on the Gold Coast. And Spinifex, which is a veteran-owned uh, Western Australian beer brand. So they both launched equity crowdfunding campaigns. Sober's on Birchall and Spinifex is on Equitize. Um, we will keep an eye on that as they uh, release more information. But as we, as uh, Claire said, you know, we've talked about how do we cover these things. Because mm-hmm. on one hand, they are news. The other side is that you can't really cover the news until you know what the valuation is. Mm-hmm. Because if you're just promoting the fact that they have an equity crowdfunding, then you're essentially promoting their equity crowdfunding. And you can't balance that out with, you know, asking reasonable questions about how accurate their value or how reasonable Mm -hmm. their valuation is. So, yeah, yeah, so we will be keeping an eye on those. We'll be seeing what the evaluations, but we won't really be covering them as news until we can actually interrogate the numbers. Mm -hmm. Until it kind of becomes news. Yeah. Because they might decide not to do it. That's what an expressions of interest phase is about. And we've had at least one person decide after, I think it was Devil's Elbow, um, they decided after they did their expressions of interest that they weren't interested in doing it and they got other offers elsewhere and other things. And it can flush out, um, and and that's the thing, you know, and and that's basically publicity and we'll get to publicity um, a little bit later because there's so much of, you know, what isn't actually news, it's actually promotion. promotion. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah. News is asking questions like, where does space begin? <laughs> the real serious <laughs> questions the Not beer just... industry needs to know about. <laughs> That's the news bit. And now let's jump straight into a little thing we call Below the Fold. And Below the Fold, we always start with the mailbag, which is thanks to our very good friends at New Zealand Ale Trail. Head to www.nzaletrail.com or at NZ Ale Trail on social media to find the best beer experiences in New Zealand when you're allowed to have them. So that's pretty much to our New Zealand friends at the moment. Um, yeah, went to the Space Beer thing last night. Mm-hmm. Fascinating, fascinating really? stuff. Yeah, what no, did it, they it say? was brilliant. Like it, yeah. the, the, the project, you know, it's cool. <laughs> and I happened because I was finishing a Zoom drinks oh, catch yeah. up. And I happened to walk in just as they started discussing yes. this beer writer um, called Matt Kirkegaard. Who is burning, <laughs> were they? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, look, I, 
I have to say thank you to Dan Rayner, who uh, I had a chat with in the Facebook group, um, so you can see what we chatted, who, you know, kind of conceded, as, as did the engineer who did the the, the project. Yeah. Um, so I said, well, at 30 kilometres up, space starts at 100 kilometres, so we were really only 30% of the way there. But Richard was not going to let this one go. Um, and uh, basically said, is, is there another way we can look at it? And so, well, we were above 99% of the atmosphere. Um, so we were 99% of the way to space. I mean, well, that's oh. not quite how it works. But also anyway. Also a bit wordy to put in a headline. I imagine that was why the space thing got thrown about. Yeah. <laughs> look... The thing about it for me, and, and the point that I was making, um, is that this is an incredibly, incredibly cool bit of science that they did. You know, anyone who listens to Neil deGrasse Tyson and people like that who just, you know, poo-poo terms like the supermoon and things like, you know, and, and, he, and there is a killjoy element to what he does. But at the same time, if you're going to talk about science, you know, astronomy and astrology aren't the same thing. <laughs> you, you know, um, if you're going to sort of go look it's it's harmless to believe that the stars could have some power over our lives but i'm still going to read my stars anyway that's fine but you know mm-hmm. like it's 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 that sort of approach that science is science and this was a science project i think if you're going to do the science do the science because the science was incredibly cool um mm-hmm. and even as you, you listen to it there are the you know, there was so much science involved in capturing this this yeast in the first place but then also some of the ramifications for yeast being 30 kilometres high, um, caught up in the trade winds. Because um, I remember, and it was a question I posted in the um, um, discussion last night. I remembered about 10 years ago reading an article that lager yeast didn't seem to originate in Germany because they couldn't find the antecedents. You know, when they did, the, and this mm-hmm. is where I don't really know the science, but they, when they did the genetic sequencing, they couldn't relate it to anything else. But there was a yeast in Patagonia that they were able to find a essentially a relative mm-hmm. of the yeast. And they go, well, how did this yeast get from Patagonia to... Um, and, you know, talking about maybe a fruit fly flew and you're going, you know, mm. <laughs> which is very Monty Python. Was it an African flute, fruit fly? What can an African <laughs> flute, fruit fly carry in, you know, coconuts? Um, but... You know, maybe inadvertently, this this experiment has discovered how you know a Patagonian yeast got to Germany to yeah, create lager. Yeah, we, 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 maybe it got there via space. Uh, <laughs> well, that's the thing. But don't you think then the the science itself is so cool that why would they dumb it down for a press release? And that's what I feel like it is. It's dumbing uh, it down. I, well, I, I have to stress, dumbing it down is Claire's words, not mine. So <laughs> at Claire Burnett. That's right. <laughs> I think though, if, you, if you look into trash. if you look into the detail, the minutiae of anything, you know, you can mm-hmm. you, you run the risk of disappearing up your own black hole. So I think true, space, true. I know what you mean. Look, you know, we're very insignificant in the um, you know, whether it's whether you believe it's a, a finite universe or an ever expanding universe. Um, at the end of the day, just rejoice in the fact that you're here. Because it is an absolute miracle that any of us are here. Oh, but absolutely, and I don't want to suck the fun out of it. But at the same time, you know, like I I was on radio yesterday um, talking about different glass sizes, um, you know, beer glass sizes in different states, and you know, in South Australia, a pint is actually what we would call a schooner, Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, oh yeah, this stupid no national. It's a four twenty five. Well, and because it's just common parlance, and Mm -hmm. uh, in. South Australia. South Australia still have butchers. They've got the butcher, but that's the thing. Yeah. And there's this, there's all of these stories about how the butcher's glass 
got its name. And if you go back, um, you know, I actually asked Brett Stubbs, our resident historian, you know, to see if he, because it was a question that we got back in 2012. And so he wrote this piece, you know, and some people say it was because it was the butchers and, you know, they would have a small serve so they could go back to work, you know, sharp knives, you know. <laughs> well, but it, it, it was one of those things. But then when you looked at, when he went through and looked at the historical records, a butcher's glass actually used to be bigger. You know, what was referred to as a butcher's glass was actually bigger, mm-hmm. a bigger serve than it is now. And so that story doesn't hold water. And when So on one hand, you have to apologise because historians deal in facts, mm-hmm. whereas, you know, PR people deal in selling the story. And if you go back and look at the fantas- fantasy stories about IPA and things like that, on one hand, it's great for popularising the myth, but it's not a good way of learning the facts behind the beer. Um, and, you know, here at Brews News, we don't set ourselves as being the public relations agency for the brewing industry. No. And speaking of facts, it is a fact that uh, you can review us on iTunes or send us in an email. To <laughs> Thank you, Pete. For the letter <laughs> just close me down. <laughs> you can also join our Facebook group. Just uh, search Radio Brews News and use the password Soapbox. Um, now... Uh, last week, interesting insert chat with Irene Falcone. Mm. And we got a couple of comments, Claire. We did. Um, some really nice comments, actually. So, Rusty Car. That's a change. <laughs> <laughs> I know, usually we get, get shade thrown at us. Um, so, uh, Rusty Car on the Facebook group uh, says, Listening to the chat this morning with Irene Falcone uh, was a really good chat. It's really good to hear Matt have someone on after giving them a spray the week before and showing consideration and listening to what they say. I also don't agree with selling um, no alcohol beers in Woolworths, although to note, I did buy some naught. I'm a regular naught drinker, but was still surprised to see it on shelves as opposed to the BWS. When I went through the self-checkout, it did prompt me for age verification and the assistant had to come up and swipe their dodgy-looking slip of paper to cancel out the screen. Yep, good one. like that. Interesting. And then Nick Boots. <laughs> oh, lovely Nick Boots. Uh, so he says, good on you for getting her on, Matt, uh, and well done to Irene for fronting up. Although she clearly isn't shy about a bit of PR. She's obviously passionate and capable entrepreneur rather than an experienced industry player and some of her thoughts and comments reflected this, uh, e.g. who doesn't buy grog for their kids? Question mark. My parents didn't. Rude. Uh, or something to this effect. I thought the fact her PR agency had clearly gone rogue and she still wasn't privy to all their comms was somewhat concerning. While Which I, incidentally yeah. was with the source of the spray. Like I wasn't having a go. go at her. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. just kind of... It was, the, it was a media release. It, yeah, it we'll wasn't come, what she does. And we'll yeah. come to the responsibility of media. That's yeah. it. Um, while I applaud her refusal to sell to under 18s, I think there's going to have to be government regulation in this category to make that a legal requirement i.e she's going to need liquor licenses for her 20 stores and that's going to challenge her business model interesting times mm, and, and look it, it, it really was you know and hopefully everyone listened to it, it was a fascinating podcast and mm-hmm. and yeah, it was good really interesting you know i have to say it, it's really nice that people acknowledged that we got it wrong after having said what we said the week before but it's it's more a case of her willingness to come on mm-hmm. and you know discuss her ideas and, and, and sort of talk about what it was and do it so, you know, refreshingly, honestly, mm-hmm. without any sort of... Yeah. Well, I mean, part of it is that she's not in the industry, as Nick points out. Like, she's um, an entrepreneur. She mm. picked an idea and it worked out. She doesn't necessarily... She hasn't lived in that industry or an ancillary industry her whole entire life and doesn't know these issues going on. And that, as you say, makes it really refreshing because she's not sort of weighed down by the arguments that we're having constantly in the background. <laughs> she can just be free to but let it all out. But <laughs> incidentally, if she's going to let her PR 
people go rogue mm. um, and not sign off on their marketing communication. Then she can't call you annoyed about it in, later. In the alcohol <laughs> space. Well, but in the alcohol space, she's inviting trouble um, yes. because you can't say things are healthy when they're not. Yeah. And the and it, Which is a nice little segue into that, um, the, the ABAC judgments, um, because there were yeah. a couple this week about, um, you know, there was one for minus 196 double lemon, which was a Suntory drink. Um yeah, essentially they smash they freeze yeah. a lemon in liquid nitrogen smash it add alcohol and then sell it yeah. you know it's weird it's just, it's i think it might be a a Jap- i think it's a japanese brought over from japan and they're trying they rebranded it over to bring it over here um i don't and there's a lot of interesting things about this um <laughs> but the part, part part of the um the complaint it detailed three media Outlets, media so coverages of it. Delicious, yeah. I think. Delicious news dot com and pedestrian TV. And pedestrian TV. That was it. Um, and to read those, like I want to, I keep wanting to say releases. To read those editorials was to read a press release from. But it wasn't, that. and but it then wasn't when exactly, they did the print re- yeah. press release, and they the sent press the press release, release in. was a dog whistle call, mm-hmm. knowing what journalists respond to. And yep. these days, most journalism is entertainment, mm-hmm. not fact, or you're not responsible communication. Mm-hmm. And, and journalists aren't bound by the ABAC code, um, which is, is, is the problem. And this is where the critical issue is, because the PRs that we get, and it's why I teed off on the uh, media release from uh, Son Strengths, because I felt that it was irresponsible to sow confusion around a pandemic. Um, and these these were ones that were kind of a dog whistle to the strength of the um, alcohol. And so all of the editorials talked about, um, you know, this easy tiger, you know, this is yeah, a big drink. Yeah. Starting out it, for preloading, like blah, blah, blah. Well, Not that's, exactly that. But no, you know but mean. the media release did say, um, where is it? The uh, media release did say, it's the perfect drink to kickstart your night out. You oh know, kind God. of like... You can imagine it in that exact voice as well. <laughs> now, on one hand, that doesn't say anything. But when you're targeting this category of drink to... The sort of people who are going to be drinking yep. to kickstart their night out, mm-hmm. you know, and preloading is a problem. Mm-hmm. There is a certain dog whistle call, but then, okay, and, and, and here is the ultimate problem. This wasn't necessarily the business making that, even if they're hinting at it, but the news stories that resulted were absolutely problematic in terms of liquor regulation. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you've got the anti-alcohol campaigners pointing at that and there is a certain level of cynicism in the way that the public relations goes about getting it because they don't care and they've got no responsibility and they do, I don't even think they know I think they get given a brief nobody says to them oh by the way alcohol isn't good for lots of different areas and they and don't care there are lots of regulations around it that you can't and they don't know and they don't care their sole metric is getting Column inches, yeah, and that's how they get it. But the problem Regardless is of responsibility. Yeah, um, and whilst the drinks makers can go, it's not our responsibility. Yeah, yeah, and they can, and they have done, and they have because there's no body that regulates it. Mm-hmm. The government goes, okay, well, fine, we'll create a body to regulate all of this. Mm-hmm. And how do you regulate the media um, and, and their coverage of something? Yeah. And you do it by going, okay, well, no stories about alcohol, or you know, yeah. and this is yeah. where I always Extreme come back example, to, but yeah. If, if the government has to legislate for the people who are trying to get around their existing legislation, yep. 
the problem is that you carpet bomb. It's not a strategic, mm-hmm. you know, tactical strike. Oh, yeah. You carpet bomb, and they'll just say, right, you can't write about new mm-hmm. products, or th- there'll be something. You can't promote any alcohol, whatever, ever again. And, and, and they did that with tobacco. You know, they, they, that's the thing. They did it quite successfully with other products, and incidentally, that is exactly what the anti-alcohol campaigners want. Mm-hmm. And hastening your own demise, and you know, and. and that then leads into the fruit pastels, which is, you know, mm-hmm. the Crumbin Valley guys, lovely guys, love what they do. Mm-hmm. But even in an interview that they gave the Crafty Pint, which is one of the stories that was, you know, yeah. so the the complainant complained about the Crafty Pint coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we know, they're scrutinising our coverage of everything as well. And the Crafty Pint went on and interviewed the guys from Crumbin about their fruit pastel and so say, yeah, we wanted to make you feel like you're in your in in you know, you're in the you're, you're a kid milk, wanted milk to bar. recreate that ch- feeling of when you're a kid buying lollies at the milk bar and stuff, and you were like, oh, so exactly what you're not supposed to be doing then. And it wasn't like and and they're saying it wasn't a marketing communication, yeah. crafty uh, media, not just crafty mm-hmm. point, but media isn't subject to things. But this is when I look at. The problem is if you're going to infantilize beer and it doesn't have to be targeting children, even if you're targeting the childhood memories of adults mm-hmm. for a flavor and you say that, it was the childhood memory of eating lollies. Yeah. And it, it's a product, you know, beer is meant to be an adult's drink. You know, alcohol is meant to be an adult's drink. If you're infantilizing it, then you just invite the allegation, correct or not, that you are targeting children. Or it's it doesn't even have to be targeting children. It has to be appealing to children is, is the problem. Yeah. Um, so, But anyway, go read those. To, um, from a marketing perspective, go read the decisions. Yeah. But also mm-hmm. consider the mindset that ABAC isn't asking how do we control the media because it's not their brief. Yeah. But somebody out there is going to be going, well, if this is a problem, how do we solve the problem? Yeah. And if we can't advertise, you know, again, Bruce News goes away if we can't run advertising. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if we can't write about flavours of drinks mm-hmm. because somebody goes, you know. You yeah. So from that angle, there's responsibility not only on the PR side of things, but on the media side of things to actually think about what you're writing when you say, oh, this beer is amazing, blah, 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 or where it's come from or influences and things like that. Like, why would you want to make a beer that tastes like a lolly? Well, well, our, our approach is but, to strip the adjectives yeah, out. We take when we do new beers, we take all that fluff out, <laughs> and because if you're a brewer listen, reading um, or listening, you want to know what the ABV is. What you want to want to know what the hops are. You want to know what the inside yeah, is. You, yeah, is the, is there any special technique used? Blah blah blah. Um, and if you're like a prosumer, if you're a consumer that wants to know about these things, um, and you think, oh, that sounds interesting, I will. People don't really, I don't even think people like all this marketing bullshit. Like, I remember when we were talking about Brookville Union and their Refreshalicious. <sighs> oh, that was like two years ago. And I was just like, eye rolled to the point they were like rolling back into my head and would never return. And it, it's just ridiculous. It is shocking. Anyway. Sorry. Pete, yeah. you got anything to add? <laughs> you still we've had, we've, yeah, we've had our time. I have thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> Share them. Yes. Are we being unfair? Well, here's the thing. And take this any, any way you want. And I'm sure there are other people who feel the same way. But for me, beer used to be something that you had to earn the right to enjoy. And somewhere along the way, we kind of allowed some breweries to dumb it down, sweeten it, take away all the beerness of it to the point where anyone can enjoy it. 
And to me that, and this isn't being elitist and saying, well, hang on, you know, I earn my stripes. Do, do, do you get what I mean? Like, I, I know exactly what you mean. That's It's a comparison that I draw with things like, you know, food flavorings and fast food. And then it, it's, you know, they're you've chasing... You've got to earn the right to enjoy uh, caviar or smoked salmon or, uh, you know, truffle or whatever it is. You don't give it to babies. Mm. But you we've know, become you... so good at replicating flavors or making or understanding what drives people's desire for things that yeah we we it, it, it becomes because children drink sweet things yeah. and beer has become sweeter and lighter bitterness is repellent to young palates mm-hmm. um, and I, I think that's what you're getting at pete it's not an elitist thing it's beer was always um and it, it was one of the arguments that i had you know even before bruce news had when i was blogging is that when you take the bitterness out of beer you know you you, you drive it down because you're competing with um, who was over beer, um, Canadian Club. Canadian Club, which was a sweet alcohol, you know, and uh, West Coast coolers. It was a sweet, um, easy drinking delivery mechanism for alcohol for children who hadn't developed the palates for, you know, bitterness and the, the flavors that fermentation have. And you know, if if you give, it was an earned right. Yeah, if you give whiskey to a 17-year-old, there's the burn and, you know, all of those sorts of things. So they sweeten it with soft drink. Now, this is where it gets hard. Yes, you can go home and put sugar and, you know, Coke and things into, you know, ginger ale into your spirits um, if you make that decision. And I still think there is a difference between that and companies that are trying to operate responsibly adding bucket loads of sugar or Mm -hmm. fruit flavours to their beers and and that's again pete lot like you um almost apologizing for worrying that sounds elitist i worry about sounding old because there's a whole generation of people that want these things but there is a point that it does become problematic and it does become a target for anti-alcohol crusaders to point to the industry and say you and Mm -hmm. it's always better to stop short of the line if you don't know where the line is you're most probably over it yep and we've had in the past week, we've had like two or three press releases about beers that are literally based on a specific chocolate or lolly or whatever. For dad. Yeah, and, and you're like, mm, is it? Um, there's a few of them. There's Big Shed um, doing fruit chocks. fruit chocks. I don't know what that is, but I'm South assuming. South Australian. Right, okay. Chocolates. And then um, Daryl Lee and Nomad Brewing. And then we had another one from a chocolate company that said they had beer in the chocolate, and then they wouldn't tell us who. The I posted that to, yeah. the, to the group. Oh, last did night. you? Yeah. And they were like, oh, they wouldn't. They wouldn't tell us. We're sorry for the inconvenience. <laughs> we understand if you can't report on this story. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I just think it's. I mean, and it's not probably a bit unfair of me, but it is a little bit lazy to leverage off a brand that is already in existence that is let's be brutal aimed at children and younger people well dark chocolate uh, see and, and, but, uh, oh, what's dark chocolate uh, dark chocolate tends to be oh no i mean you know, is it brew chocs you mean um, dark well some of them i think Sorry, that the was my Hague's one was dark chocolate oh, okay. but, oh, right, but again okay. so you've got four different chocolates this week yeah. aim for dad for father's day you yeah, know yeah. some of them are fruit chocolate some of them are dark chocolate mm-hmm. you know where is the line, mm-hmm. um, and you know where is the marketing, and does it appeal to children? I'd, I'd look. I honestly don't know with that one. It was more just how, as you said, the lazy. Everyone's. Yeah. It shows that 
all we need to do is say that beer is in this product and we'll sell more of our product. Exactly. And I mean, I understand that it, from a brewing perspective, it must be really interesting to try and recreate these flavours and do that kind of thing. Um, and a technical challenge in itself. I just feel like there should be some at least awareness of the responsibility around maybe not doing something like that or calling it something different or whatever, but making it a little bit less open to huge amounts of criticism by ABAC or FAIL or whoever decides to moan that day. And to the people who are shouting at the microphone now going, <laughs> beer can be fun. You kind of, this is the problem. We're not selling novelties. Um, you know, we're not, it, it's an adult product. It's in a heavy, heavily regulated environment as alcohol should be because of the potential downsides and the, the, how problematic it becomes if it's used inappropriately. Um, don't infantilise it, you know. It's because, you know, yes, it's an easy, lazy marketing technique, but, and, and it's applying to a market, but at the same time, you're just inviting regulation that will kill your ability to actually be creative mm-hmm. down the track. And I, I like Pete's point, you know, it's, a, it's an earned right. Um, yeah, that's it. So now, uh, uh, sorry, Pete. I'm, I'm just going to I'm going to jump in and do your job, knowing that we've been the ones who've been prolonging this. Oh, sorry. Um, no. Um, <laughs> another little insert. It wasn't quite below the fold special edition color lift out worthy, but it, it was a little bit longer than I expected. Um, so, just to set the tone, we had Nick Boots on with a similar insert a couple of weeks ago when they signed on for the Wallabies. And he was reluctant to come on, as you'll hear, um, because he didn't want it to be the Nick Boot show. But Stonewood is the biggest independent brewery. Them signing on for the Wallabies was one thing. But as he alluded to, they were looking at some Green Coast Lager line extensions. Next week, they're launching a 3.5 crisp Green Coast Lager in a clear bottle. Um, That, you know... It, 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 it's interesting because it's effectively targeting, you know, the contemporary beer market. And if you wonder what contemporary beer is these days, Great Northern is is the leader. That in itself is interesting. So it's, it's a longish sort of chat where we cover a whole lot of things. So I'm going to jump in and insert that and then we'll talk about it on the other side. Nick Boots, welcome to Brews News Week. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. Now, I, I, as, as I said in my intro, you were a little bit reluctant because we, we did speak to you when you were... Uh, signed on with the Wallabies about what it meant for Green Coast and uh, you, you were anxious about not to be seen as the uh, Stone and Wood show but uh, as I said to you uh, offline the 56th beer in cans or the 56th you know, New England IPA not really news but the first clear bottled for want of a better term craft lager you know it, it, it is a bit of a case of uh, man bites dog in, in, in terms of news <laughs> Yeah, look, it is, mate, and um, look, thanks for having me back again. I guess this is perhaps the second part of, of our chat, um, uh, and I know there is a bit of a running commentary in the industry about, you know, what the Stone would do next. Um, and, you know, this was, as I alluded to in that chat, you know, this was, was next for us, is, is another um, another part of the Green Coast Lager uh, family, and, you know, the Wallabies sponsorship is a great way to, to leverage, yes, the original, but you know, also in creating a uh, contemporary beer, clear glass, easy drinking lager uh, at 3.5% ABV gives us a real chance um, to to extend that sponsorship and really leverage that in in that huge, huge part of the market who drink contemporary beers that we just don't participate in. When we first uh, talked about it, you know, um, Stonewood is obviously, uh, you know, at, at 
going to some pains to say, you know, we never said that we were, you know, X um, a brewer. You know, it was always about good beer um, and, and that sort of thing. And uh, as I always do, I went back through 12, 13 years of media releases to see if I could catch you out on that. And it's been a fairly, <laughs> you know, that's what, what we do. Um, but and there has been a fairly consistent um, thread that Stone and Wood is about good beer. Um, but by the same token, Stone and Wood couldn't have la- you know, launched as successfully with you know a three and a half percent clear bottled crisp lager and grown the, the, the way that you did. So tell us the, the, the inside or the thinking um, that you know Stone and Wood can come out with this type of beer that is going against the big guys. Yeah, look, um, you know, interestingly, you know, the first beer we ever bottled uh, in the history of, of Stone and Wood was actually um, a pale lager. Mm. Um, now, is that the beer that we're best known for today? No, no, it's not. But, um, you know, lagers are always been in our in our DNA uh, and we know that's, you know, that's 90% of the market. Um, so uh, I think the evolution and the growth in ales and, you know, Pacific Ale, and Cloud Catcher Pale Ale, uh, et cetera, have, have just been what, what the market has, has taken to, particularly Pacific Ale, obviously. Um, and we've always had Green Coast there. And over the last couple of years, we've, we've repackaged it um, out of the pint bottle uh, into 330ml. We've given the, the label a spruce up. We played a little bit with uh, with the grain as well, and we've seen some some really nice growth uh, out of Green Coast Lager. But for a lot of people, it's still been you know the green the stone and wood beer with the green label, whatever it's called. Um, uh, and we haven't put much marketing money behind it. So this now was a real great opportunity you know, now to to say, okay, let's both accelerate that story and the growth and the awareness of Green Coast Lager, the original. But we also know that that contemporary market is now so enormous, clearly driven by by Great Northern, um, that you know that just it can't be ignored any any further. Um, and you know, so we feel like we've got um, as a brewer of of just really good beer is our aspiration, not necessarily the craftiest beer out there. Then you know that gives us permission to play in there. And um, you know, we're very passionate about providing something for all our loyal drinkers in our in our backyard and in our local community and we're conscious that you know pacific ale and our other beers um aren't for everyone uh and there's a huge chunk of the market who go i love everything that stoner would stand for as a business but none of their beers really work for me so you know in creating this you know three and a half percent easy drinking lager we think we've got something that's more broadly appealing but still maintains all the same messages and credibility uh, of stone and wood and that's an interesting narrative, and that's why I was so interested that you released this beer. Because is it an inherent acknowledgement that you know some of the rhetoric of the early days of craft that we're going to change the world and convert everybody to craft? We're running up the surrender flag to some extent that some people just want an unfussy, crisp, clean beer, and if we can give them that, but have that brand, then we're still winning. Yeah, it's a good question. Mate, I don't think it is. I would like to see, you know, craft as a share of the Australian market um, go from it's nearly 10% now to up to 20%. And I still think that's absolutely possible, as we've seen, in, you know, in NZ and, um, you know, the US are getting towards that as well. That That's still an aspiration um, I personally have, and I think our beers would play nicely in there. But, you know, 
in my lifetime, um, it's going to be a long, long time before, you know, craft is probably any larger portion of the market than that. So it just it's wrong of us to ignore that 80, 90 percent of the market who, you know, who craft beer is just not for them uh, at this point in time. But they are looking for a brand that, you know, that resonates with them, uh, again, whether it be, you know, our environmental credentials and focus or our community focus or um, other reasons people people buy into who we are and what we do, we want to give those guys and girls a beer um, because at the moment, you know, there's probably nine out of ten that we don't have a beer for. Now, in the trade presenter, um, you, you talk about the contemporary beer market has been, you know, one of the huge growth, dominating growth stories in beer generally. Um, but there's a stagnant pricing um, with the contemporary brands. So, you know, the Iron Jacks, Great Northerns are just at a price and there's nowhere for consumers to go if they want that beer but to step up. Is Green Coast, you know, is what I'm taking out of that, Green Coast is almost the crown lager of clear bottle contemporary beers you know it, it's it's you know for, for want of a better term it is like the the the, the premium version of, of of that beer flavor profile look um mate it's, it's certainly not um where it's not certainly the way we're pitching it as far as um significantly more premium uh, in quality we think we've got um, uh, an uber quality beer that that talks to that market but i'd also acknowledge that those market leaders in that category um, are of great quality too. But, you know, I do think, and it happens with, with any real market leader, that the, the price compression you've seen in that category that you've now got, you know, the market leader regularly it's sold sort of $43, $44, $45. poor retailer is, is probably making a couple of bucks if they're lucky out of every carton uh, that they sell, but we really think there's an opportunity to utilise the credibility and the equity that Stoner Wood has um, that resonates with drinkers at a more premium price position that that people will will buy into because um, they know they know of the quality of what we make uh, and whether they can see significantly greater quality in our beer versus others in the segment um, that's for them to determine and that'll ultimately the success um, or otherwise of the brand will will come out uh, via that. But I, I do think that what's in the, in the glass bottle um, is, only a, is only a portion of the reason people will, will pick up this brand. And, and, and I, I guess that's what I was getting at because, you know, if, if something's being uh, labelled a crisp lager, the drinker is going to have a, an expectation for what that's going to taste like. Um, and if it's a choice between uh, mainstream crisp lager or the stone and wood version, um, you know, there has to be a significant brand appeal to get them to pay that, you know, what, $10 a carton more? Oh, look, on my, the average will probably average will probably be around $5. Uh, okay. Um, ultimately, um, I mean, we don't set the retail pricing, but that's ballpark um, how we feel. So, yeah, we've been absolutely fastidious about creating this beer um, and, and its quality and, you know, and we're confident that people will see the value uh, in that to pick it up off the shelves um, and order it over the bar and conversely um, for the retailers to stock it and uh, and support it because, you know, they they are looking for, we believe, they are looking for the next thing in that contemporary segment and, um, you know, we think we've got a, a, a really nice play in a really nice position uh, in this big segment. Now, I know that Stonewood has never actually been, you know, 
the the craft brand. You know, they've never hung their shingle on that. But there was the famous, uh, you know, malt water hops uh, yeast T-shirt. Um, you mm-hmm. know, to, to to get the Christmas, have we added uh, a, you know a fifth ingredient in, in, into that in, with a bit of uh, cane oh, sugar? He's saying hype. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's your no, ingredient. That's it, <laughs> <laughs> um, everyone, mate. That's inherent. <laughs> yeah, but no, like, have you had to you know, play around with you know, adjunct sugars to, to to get the Christmas there, or is it an all malt beer? Mate, it is an all malt beer. Okay. Um, yep, 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 yep. We have. Um, we're we're very comfortable um, with with that. And we did take quite a. Oh, it took a lot of time uh, over it, but um, yep, we're um, we are staying true to that. And how about hop flavour stability in a clear bottle lager? Have you had to use uh, hop extracts, or you know, is, is it the same sort of a hopping process that uh, the regular Green Coast uses? Um, there is some extract uh, in there. Yep. Um, we, are, we are very conscious of that. Um, and look, we've gone with clear glass because we wanted the drinkers to understand that it is that clean, crisp um, beer and, and, not a, and not a hazy uh, Pacific Ale style beer, which is what I think a lot will suspect. So, And with that, the trade-off um, is obviously stability and we want to ensure that we, we have that stability and the quality holds. So, uh, yes, we've done that. Um, yes, we, you know, we've, we've flash pasteurised uh, as we do all our beers proudly uh, and um, uh, we think that'll, um, that'll give us some great quality retention. And, again, there was no hint of, uh, you know, it was just asking how, uh, you know, it, I guess it shows how much the beer market has evolved that, you know, these conversations are, are being had. Um, in a, in a different way than they were ten years ago. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and again, we we just want great beers for for our drinkers. Uh, and whatever process we need to go through there to deliver to deliver them, then that's what we do. And we've never hidden uh, behind that or been been ashamed of that. Uh, and I know everybody's everybody's different, uh, but that's always been our, you know. Our, our position, yeah, and what well, postcraft world, as I as, as you've heard yeah. me say on the postcard on, on, on a lot, you know, some of the things that were the hallmarks of craft beer 10, 15 years ago, um, brewers are discovering, you know, all brewers are discovering that, uh, you know, if, if you're going to sell to a market or to a wider audience um, geographically, uh, there there are ways that you have to go about that. Yeah, and you know, we're and, and this goes back to our, our role as a, as a regional brewer. And for people who remember, you know, CUB and Lion, a conglomeration of regional brewers that over many, many decades, you know, came together to form the big businesses they are today. You know, if you like, that's gone full circle again. And we see ourselves not dissimilar to Coopers, who are, you know, a very strong regional player in South Australia with a national, with a national presence. You know, we're we're in the northern rivers of New South Wales as a regional player, uh, and you know we're we're creating beers for for all the drinkers um, out there. Now, whilst Stonewood has never really hung the shingle on the craft, as we've discussed, independence has been a much bigger part of it. And because of the capacity issues you've you've got, you have had to outsource the production of of, of this. I understand. Uh, we have in the short term. Yep. Um, yep. While our new Mwollumbar Brewery uh, is uh, is built, we're hoping to break ground there um, either side of Christmas. I think COVID will play a role in determining uh, that. Uh, and then the intention is that, that this beer and all our beers come back um, uh, in house. But uh, again, yep, um, uh, we're we're brewing this beer to begin with at another regional New South Wales uh, brewery uh, who we've worked very closely with on this beer, and that's just. That's a capacity thing. You know, if we wanted to launch this beer 
um, then it would mean we make less Pacific Hail, which is which is something we just we don't want to do. So again, it's just a pragmatic decision and give us two years to get my woolen bar uh, up and uh, up and running and then um, the intention is to, to to bring it back in-house but that, even so it's a big thing for stone and wood for a long time held back production volumes to to keep everything in-house and then also you know i don't think we can have this chat without saying that my understanding is that the uh, new south wales regional brewery is one owned by coca-cola um if if i'm correct about that Yep, yep, yep. It is. Look, we have, we have, and that's that's been as much about um, being being patient uh, in growing the in growing the business, understanding the market, and also having the the people capability in the business to scale, uh, and also having the financial means to be able to scale the business. Uh, and we're fortunate that we've we've reached a point where we can um, we can expand beyond our current brewing capability because we've got um, the people and the financial capability at this point in time to to do that. Uh, so you know, I still think we've been the patient, uh, fastidious approach we've followed is still the right one, and we'll continue to do that um, with with the vast majority of our beers and brands, and and even our aspirations for this brand. Uh, are very modest you know if we got one percent of the contemporary beer market in the first two or three years we'd be pretty happy um, so it is a it is a very patient mindset still was that a hard decision though because one of the catch cries or the the things you always see on social media um you know by independent brewers is i don't want my you know the, the profits going overseas and you know to, to work with a brewery you know feral um had to leave the IBA um, when Coca-Cola bought them. And now Stone & Wood has a beer that's being made in a brewery that's, you know, uncomfortably sits in, in, in that space. Not uncomfortably for us. Oh. <laughs> End of the day, we just, we just wanted, to, we just wanted uh, a great beer uh, in this space and um, we wanted to do it sooner, sooner rather than later. And, yes, the, the brewery where it's being made today not necessarily tomorrow, but mm. today, um, is you know is a third party. Uh, then it, it that it, it just is what it is, uh, and it's a third party packing agreement. Uh, the other thing we're very conscious of too is the fact with this contemporary market that you know independence for these drinkers um, is is not particularly uh, engaging or not particularly um, well understood at mm. this point in time quite different obviously to to the craft market so you know we um, we're conscious of that that we don't think that'll have a significant impact on the success or otherwise of this brand because you know at the moment effectively a hundred percent of the contemporary beers are made by are made by the big guys um, so if we're um, if we're a small guy but we're using um, a medium-sized guy in the short term, um, uh, we're using their stainless steel effectively, and um, uh, we don't think that'll have a significant impact. Yeah, oh, and again, like it's—I I don't think it's an in, like it's not an independence play or anything like that. But it's just one of—you've you, heard me say on the podcast as an avid listener, it matters until it doesn't, and you know, there, there's just that element about this that, uh, as you said, it was um, pragmatic um, and. You know, it, it's just one of those ones that I, when I look at the independent seal, is about 
making consumers make non-pragmatic decisions about, well, I could buy this that's cheaper. Um, yeah, I, I just sort of wonder whether, whether that sits when you make um, pragmatic decisions, how hard it is to then convince consumers that it matters on this occasion but not on this occasion, you know, when, when they see decisions being made from time to time. Yeah, mate, look, I take your point. And it's, it's funny, most brewers start out gypsy brewing, yeah. uh, you know, and so they're not actually using their own kit to make their beer and then they move into their own. Uh, funnily enough, we never did that. Uh, and, you know, at the moment, um, yeah, through our whole history, we haven't necessarily done that. Um, but at the moment, it feels like a, largely a wedge uh, to um, to to fulfil that capability or that capacity need while it's there, and then you know we, we're building more woolen bar that can be scaled as high as eighty million litres in mm. time in the future, um, which um, which is exciting. A- any word on that? While we're while I've got you, any word on when that's going to be announced or what, <laughs> what decisions are going to be made around the finance uh, for that? Uh, uh, mate, no, I believe I believe the guys, uh, the, the founders, are getting um, are getting very close uh, to that. Uh, but I, I purposely stay out of that space, <laughs> and I'm just head down, bum up on very much on the P and L. They can work on the balance sheet, uh, and um, you know Richie and and Gary and uh, and I and the team very much just about keeping our head above water at the moment in this lockdown environment makes makes life tough and um you know i'm sure that'll happen in the goodness of time and uh mate just very quickly before i let you go i'm conscious of time how has green coast at the uh, wallabies game been going have you had much feedback yeah really well thanks really well um the the sponsorship has has given a porridge uh in just some of the hospitality areas in some grounds mm-hmm. but in, in other grounds um in the, the general admission areas as well including uh amy park down in melbourne and and suncorp uh in brisbane so uh really well fantastic feedback and it was just it was amazing uh sitting up at suncorp a month or so ago now uh with um some good customers and 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 ross uh, and you know, drinking a, a stone of wood uh, beer in this you know, thirty forty thousand crowd, seeing our ad uh, up on the uh, the big screen, see the signs along the side, and it's it, it was just wonderful. Uh, so great feedback on the beer. But what I'm most pleased about is you know the the feedback we've got in the trade. That, you know, we're seeing drinkers walk in uh, to venues saying, hey, you know, have you got Green Coast, have you got that official beer of the Wallabies? And and that's the type of spark we were looking to fire uh, in the brand. So um, so far, so good. What Was there a reason that the 3.5 wasn't ready? Because I would have thought it would have gone perfectly for that the Wallabies matches earlier in the season. Was it just that it, that didn't quite coincide with getting this to market? Yeah, mate, the, the sponsorship was, was very late, right. um, uh, t- to be honest. And then we by the time we got the detail done, uh, and then you've got to negotiate with each of the stadiums. And then it's like, um, oh, geez, we've got a good beer in tank. Um, shave it's a lager and not a, not a nail. Uh, uh, so there was just a timing thing. So I think we missed the first game, which we always knew uh, we would. But uh, we, we used some, where we could use higher ABV beer. We used the Green Coast Original. Uh, we had some Pacific Ale. We piggybacked 
um, our ginger beer from the from the broader family on on there as well, which has been a, a huge hit. So it's it's ticked a number of boxes, and we're just waiting for Rugby Australia to to announce where the the final games of the uh, the, the series will be. Um, COVID is obviously making that difficult, uh, and then um, hopefully we'll. We'll get the beer in the the hands and and mouths of you know hundred thousand odd um, additional drinkers in the in the coming month or so. Oh mate, and uh, Green Coast Crisp three point five launches first of September. Um, and again, yeah, really looking forward to seeing uh, what you've come up with in that space. Yeah, thank you, Matt. Thank you. We're really excited. A lot of hard work by by our amazing team. So we're we're very proud of it, as we are all our beers. Uh, so um, yeah, looking forward to having a crack with the big boys. Awesome, Nick. Thank you so much. Thanks, mate. There you go, guys. A lot to unpack from that one. Pete, um, what do you think about the idea that, you know, like craft beer, like are we in the post-craft beer world and, you know, when craft beer is only 10 15% of the market, why should small independent brewers leave the 85% to the big guys and not compete in it? What are your thoughts around that? Yeah, I think it's, what's that old expression? Uh, never say never. Um, and a couple of interesting points that you made and, and that Nick sort of followed up on. Uh, and it, it is hard to remember because they're the largest independent slash craft. So we think of them as quintessentially craft, but they've never really positioned themselves as such. Their thing has always been good beer is our thing mm-hmm. rather than, you know, we're fiercely independent or uh, innovatively craft or any of those. Oh, fiercely independent. Yeah, we'll come to that. But, but that's not what they've necessarily hung their their hat on. Yep. It's obvious that once you get into bed with, um, or, or sorry, you move into the sphere of sports uh, sponsorship, there's kind of, I, I guess, you know, the unwritten law that, well, you know, boy, we don't, I don't know that we're going to sell a lot of Pacific Ale or I don't know that we're going to sell a lot of Jasper, you know, at, at rugby. Can, you know, maybe we need to, or would you like to brew a beer that's you know more in keeping with the spirit of the game and 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 public events and all those sorts of things. So yeah, mate. I, I, look, I, I think that's a very nice way of saying. Look, my I came at it that you know, fifteen um, years ago when you and I started this thing, um, we thought the craft beer was going to take over the world, and I actually think that this is an acknowledgement that craft beer is owned. You know, like what was once craft beer, which was the fuller flavored, you know. Um, more ingredient English style show. IPAs, English um, ingredient driven, innovation yeah. driven, will only go so far. And you know, if if craft brewers actually want to find growth in a market that growth is actually slowing, they need to embrace those palates. And uh, look, Peter Felt um, in in the Wayward Chat I had a what two three weeks ago said it beautifully and it was like again it's going to be one of the things i'm going to crochet into a uh, you know and frame it and put it up in the office mm-hmm. um there may not be a craft beer for everybody but there is an independent beer for everybody you know meaning that um if independent brewers start making beers like this then if it does matter um you know where you who makes yeah. your beer or whatever um you can do that That's which it. brings me to the next point um does it matter where it's made Ooh. Well, Stone and Wood, uh, reasonably famously, are trying to address some uh, capacity issues, aren't they, at the moment? 
They are. No, and, and, and look, and, and, and that I take that point, you know, this that it's being made. Um, I'm assuming, sorry, just jump in. I'm, I'm assuming because Green Coast, one of my all-time favourite beers and one of my joyous experiences was uh, the last time you, myself and James Atkinson visited um, Merbar mm-hmm. and Jamie poured um, Pacific Ales for everyone except me. <laughs> this is straight from the tank and it was Green Coast Lager and yep. it was oh, it was just... Uh, too good. Uh, I'm assuming they're not going to cancel, like swap. They're not. They're not going to. Oh, we're going to stop Green Coast, and we're going to brew. Uh, no, look, and 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 but three point five Green Coast. But that very argument, um, you know, if you can make the beer to the same quality in a brewery that's owned by CCA, you know, even though it was described as a um, temporary packaging, um, you know, third party packaging arrangement or something. Yeah, when I spoke to Nick, you know, <laughs> the, that, that's the hard one, I think, for for a lot of stone and wood lovers to swallow. That'll be the hard bit. Well, no, well, see, this is as as he said. I don't think people who drink the three point five crisp care about ownership. But no, 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 fair point. Yeah, and I don't think they do. And, and even though it's a pragmatic, um, which is another word that he said, what Here does I say, it say they just about want beer that tastes like beer? Yeah, I mean, how how passionate should the rest of us then be about? You know, independence. If well, you know, the the biggest independent craft brewer is happy to be pragmatic from time to time. You know, Should, <laughs> mm, mm. you know, and feral. It. You know, am I allowed to drink feral again? Because it, you know, well, I, I don't I, actually. I don't even think feral is made at Yenda. Um, <laughs> you know, so yeah, it, it look. It, it it's just one of those problems that we've always identified with what is independence and you know if private equity money uh, you know and look I, I think it's a little bit fair to say that on on occasions um, you know even when I spoke to Brad Rogers about um, I interviewed him live from Brewski a couple of years ago and so I said so who is the bigger independent brewery you or um, Gage Rhodes and you know, oh. sort of side-eyed oh. me uh, you know <laughs> um, no, we, we are the biggest independent uh, brewery or something like that and they're just listed on the stock market um, you know private equity and you know suddenly well we can outsource to a brewery that's owned by somebody that's not in it's it's complicated um, and I would it's not going to stop me from buying stone and wood it doesn't change the you know the Keelan's going to be making sure that some awesome beer is uh, going out under the Green Beacon name but I just Green Coast what do I say Green Bacon. Funnily enough, when I was listening back, I was thinking, I wonder if I ever say Green Bacon by mistake. because oh, Green Co- <laughs> and, and I didn't. And then oh, I planted that seed, oh, which is kind of you. a little bit like independence. Like when you plant the seed, that independence doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It can grow us subconsciously. <laughs> so It's like if you're in your car <laughs> and you get in, out of control and you get into a skid, if you look at the power pole, you will hit the power pole. You'll if hit you, the, yeah, if it, you look at the gap, you'll hit the gap. There you go. So. Yeah. I was looking at the I was looking at the power pole, <laughs> Green Coast Lager, um, and I'll and I, look. I'm, I'm really looking forward to try it. Mm. Uh, just quickly though, on the because um, we we mentioned the uh, Big Sheds fruit chop beers, I got contacted uh, by ABC Regional in Adelaide to come on and have a chat in their afternoon program. Uh, and the, the thing, the concept that that's, that kicked it off was it, it tastes better than it sounds. <laughs> so, <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I don't deny I, that. I think that's probably. But that's what, I, the reason I say that is that, and I thank the producer afterwards. Um, she, she thanked me for, for coming on making the time. I said, no, look, thank you guys because it's really nice to be able to talk about beer outside of you know the issues surrounding beer or mm-hmm. or you know the idiocy the idiocy that comes sometimes from mm. stupid people drinking too much beer or you know the the bad name that the beer gets. So. I say that to every ABC producer or every news producer that invites me on. Exactly. Like, it's great to take beer out of this little bubble that we have, um, this little industry bubble. Yeah, yeah. And, and also, yeah, just the, the fact that, you know, the people were, were calling in with their favourite, uh, you know, beers that they'd had or or tastes that they'd like to see in beer and all that sort of thing. So it was good just to, yeah, as I say, generate the conversation was Pete, great. Can I, incidentally, and I don't want to go back over it, but can I say that that is also why it's so important that, you know, on, on one hand, these beers do take beer out because they just have general interest. Um, but the flip side is that's where it's really important about the communication that we use to get that interest, the PR-driven stuff, doesn't become irresponsible because it is. if we want to reach out of the beer bubble, it is the mainstream media doing it. And these beers are inherently interesting, but let's not infantilise it in a way that the no, government exactly, has, yeah. to, has to clamp yeah. down so we can yeah. continue to take it out. And um, I'm, all for, I'm all for collaborations with other you know, partners, whether it be, you know, chocolate or licorice or, you know, whatever it might, fruit, whatever it might be. Um, but again, it's still, it's just, just make it beer. Mm-hmm. That's uh, all I ask. If, yeah, yeah, again, like <laughs> I don't know where the line is. Um, you know, it, it's very hard. But if you don't know where the line is, there's every chance you've gone over it. Is that our episode title? Where's the line? Uh, <laughs> or dumb it down. Dumb it down. No. <laughs> That's a bit mean. Well, I still like Benjamin Button. We, t- we were talking oh, yeah. about this because, you know, the, we were talking about how, you know, in, in terms of infantilising craft beer, we used to talk about craft beer was adolescent mm. 10 years ago. But it seems growing to be up. doing a Benja- Benjamin Button thing where instead of growing up, it's growing down. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, what's the alternative? Where, where else do we go instead? What's the other? Well, what, it doesn't what show it? a lot of. Not, not to be critical, just thinking like, where else? What, I, what would else would it look like? And th- th- this is why it's not an easy one. Mm. Um, you know, like you, you can tell when somebody has made it look childish, or you know, when you have to say, "This reminds you of." This reminds me of the lifesavers that I used to have in a milk bar as a kid. <sighs> there, there, there is a bit of a. And do you want that when you drink a beer? Do you want that? <laughs> should you want that? You know, like, should yeah. beer be something that reminds you of your childhood? Is the is the is the question that I would Pete was saying before? Your childhood, if that was the case. Oh no, look, yeah, we all had yeah, lifesavers. We, we, we should be. Oh no, I mean the I mean beer. Like if beer was part of mm. your childhood, there's something well, going, no, but, wrong going on there. But should beer have the flavours of your ah, childhood? I see what you mean. Yeah. Is, is the question? Should we? You know, mm-hmm. is that beer's role mm-hmm. to be? Yeah. Why would you not? Want you, that? Know, you know what? You know what reminds you of your childhood? The food you ate as a child. It's, it's the food you ate as a child. Go yeah. eat. Go get a lifesaver. Don't need to drink a beer, do you? Yeah, just go have the gun. Buy go buy the real thing. Should it have alcohol in? Yeah, and and that's yeah, no answers. All we do here is raise questions. Yeah, that's and never right. ever answer them, and forget the questions that we because make. I don't know if you've uh, heard, but beer is a conversation. It is indeed. And on that, we uh, J- uh, Jamie Cook uh, sent me a text to thank me for <laughs> marking his uh, his birthday last week, but he did point out that it took him two five kilometer runs to get through the whole episode, and I think <laughs> he yeah, I, I think he's going to have to up that to two six kilometer runs this week. <laughs> well, I should Old just man. point out too. Jamie's got a pretty decent motorbike. So, if oh, you really, you know, there we go. 
Get on your bike. worth complaining about that you had to walk. <laughs> Next time, Jamie, just walk to your motorbike, <laughs> stick the earbuds in and uh, listen to us. Yeah. And go, go, yeah. Anyway, we, we, we are well and truly expanding this episode, but we were talking <laughs> we about the subject that Jamie would – I'm sure appreciate us talking about. That's it. And um, the episode which marks uh, we're halfway to evil. Oh, three three three. Three, 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 three. Yeah, yeah. we're only half dum. evil. Thank you very much to Crime Alt, to Rellings Label Stickers and Packaging, uh, to our good friends at New Zealand Ale Trail and Thirsty Merchants. Uh, don't forget you can um, support us in lots of different ways. Uh, Organise a T-shirt if you want. You can now design your own. Don't forget that. Um, and if we've read out your name or name-checked you from comments and that sort of thing uh, in this podcast, send us an address so that we can send you a dog bone bar blade. Thanks very much, Matt. Thanks very much, Claire. Thanks, Pete. Just Pete. Enjoy your week. Um, support local breweries if you can. Uh, get online if you like. I've, I've used a bit of um, what would have been the holiday uh, account money, and uh, have thrown a bit of love to a few of my local breweries just to get some some stock to um, to then give away to friends and family and that sort of thing. With Father's Day coming up and all that sort of thing, so if you can share a bit of love. Do that. And with that sentiment in mind, I say thanks very much for joining us on this edition of Bruges News Week. Until next week, drink fresh, drink local and or slash independent. Look after yourselves and each other and wash your damn hands. And we're out. Oh, shit. <laughs> I think I was doing else. Claire, you had one job. You have one job. I'm so sorry, I start thinking about something else. <laughs> All right, hang on. And wash your damn hands. And we're out. Boom. Don't forget, if you like what we do here at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You'll find details in the show notes. You can also review us on iTunes or whatever your favourite podcasting service happens to be. Let us know what you think and help others find and discover our shows. Finally, you can tell us what you think about what's going on in the beer industry by emailing us at producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive in return, as by way of thanks, a Brews News bottle opener. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because, as you may have heard, beer is a conversation. Beer.